This is a Federal News Network podcast. The National Nuclear Security Administration, a part of the energy department that oversees the country's nuclear weapons stockpile, has entered into a multi-million dollar agreement with Cray Computer to build not just a new supercomputer, but an exascale supercomputer. Joining me with details, Dr. Mark Anderson, the Acting Assistant Deputy Administrator for Research, Development, Test, and Evaluation. Dr. Anderson, good to have you on. Good morning, Tom. Tell us about exascale computing. First of all, before we get into what the NNSA is doing here, just give us a sense of what exascale means in the world of computing. Certainly. Uh, exascale computing, that's 10 to the 18th flops, floating point operations per second. Uh, it is an achievement in computing that is roughly an order of magnitude beyond what we have available today. Now, exascale is something that is a almost a national interest to pursue because my understanding is that other nations, particularly China, are pursuing this for a variety of purposes, and we need to get to the exascale level in order to stay competitive in a lot of scientific realms. That is correct. Uh, exascale computing is being pursued by multiple uh, nationalities, China, Japan, the EU, all of which expect that level of computing to provide insight into both fundamental science and national defense issues. And for the American both industry and our national defense complex to stay abreast of capabilities, we need to achieve that level of computing on the same time scale, if not first, hopefully. And for the National Nuclear Security Administration, what are your goals for exascale computing? NNSA requires exascale computing as a key element of our ability to steward the nation's nuclear stockpile without additional nuclear testing. It provides uh, specific insights into how weapons operate, both ours and others, that uh, allow us to manage our stockpile without having to resort to very hazardous nuclear testing. Now, you've been doing that for decades with supercomputers, and even before there might have been supercomputers to simulate activities that would occur if bombs were, in fact, tested. What does Exascale do now that you can't do now with the existing supercomputing? Well, that is correct. In fact, uh, NNSA and its predecessors have been at the forefront of supercomputing internationally since World War II. You could argue that the first supercomputing was a group of talented women under the direction of Richard Feynman in the Manhattan Project. But uh, Exascale is necessary because the stockpile that we have today uh, is aging away from the configuration in which it was tested back before 1992. And to understand how aging affects that stockpile, we have to apply more science to it and do more detailed simulations. And Exascale will permit us to do that. And if you tried those simulations on existing supercomputers, would they run and just take too long? Or what's the story? In some cases, they would not run because the scale of the problem is too big. In some cases, you're correct. They could run, but it would take weeks, months, years of computer time to achieve the same result. And does exascale computing exist now? And we'll get to the contract in just a minute, but does that capability actually exist now to be able to run the algorithms that 
you're presumably developing for these simulations. The exascale capability does not. The algorithmic capability to exercise it does and is being developed to scale to that level. But could you, in the meantime, say, run these algorithms on a series of linked-together supercomputers as they exist now to tide you over? Yes, and and we do, and we have been doing that uh, since the Stockpile Stewardship Program started in the mid-'90s. The first target we had for the program was a teraflop computer, Uh, and then we went to 100 teraflops and then a petaflop, and now we're shooting for exascale. But the algorithms have scaled up along the way, and we have been using the same ones uh, with some improvements as we move up in scale. We're speaking with Dr. Mark Anderson. He's Acting Assistant Deputy Administrator for Development, Test, and Evaluation at the National Nuclear Security Administration. And let's talk about the contract now just signed with Cray computers to do exascale. Why was that particular company chosen? Well, it was a fair and open competition, and Cray and their team uh, provided by far the best value to the government and were chosen for that reason. We've had Cray as a trusted uh, vendor for us many times over the years. The competition this time was especially fierce because of the scale of the contract. People were very interested. But Cray did the best job. And will they be building a machine that will be delivered to the NNSA, or will they be building a machine that you will use and have access to that they will own, or what's the programmatic setup here? So it it will be a a government-owned machine. It will be installed at Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, and it's similar to the arrangements we've had in the past. Cray is also the provider for the exascale machine that's going in at Oak Ridge National Laboratory for the DOE Office of Science. And when the time comes to turn on this machine, will the coastal areas of California go dark because of the power requirements? Excellent question. Uh, The power requirements for this machine are expected to be around 30 megawatts, which, as you rightly uh, assume, is a lot. It's like a small city. Uh, But we have ample power available to that site, and no, we shouldn't have any brownouts around California. I imagine one of the requirements was some reasonable power demand, because that's one of the issues in supercomputing, low power. Uh, absolutely correct. Uh, we One of the reasons we haven't gone this big before is that the power performance ratio was not there to permit it to happen. Uh, power is a costly thing, and uh, it's only now that the industry is achieving performance power ratios that are will allow us to go to exascale and beyond. Sure. And what are some of the other challenges that Cray will have besides the power requirements? What else is tough about getting to exascale? Well, with all that power comes uh, the need to cool it because it generates a lot of heat. So these uh, machines typically have, are water-cooled and they're fed by three-foot diameter water pipes. It's pretty impressive when you see the facility. Other challenges uh, are scaling the the interconnects for the machine and the network external to the machine, uh, making sure that everything is synchronized. And with a machine this size, with the number of processors and nodes associated with it, the mean time between failures is an important issue. 
so that the whole machine stays up and any calculation we run across it does not die in the middle of a run. That is something we've been chasing for years is, is the mean time to failure and industry again has achieved a level at this scale that will permit us to do these calculations. Are you looking at days, months, years? What's the scale of mean time between failures? Well, we're looking at hours to days, depending on the fraction of the machine you're using and the load balance associated with that. In the work that the NNSA does, do you tend to use a computer like this daily, or is it something you, say, save it all up for Thursdays, and then you could rent it out Monday, <sighs> Tuesday, and Wednesday? No, we keep these machines going uh, pretty much 24-7, 365. Uh, we provide them as tri-lab resources, national resources for our weapons laboratories. And we have a proposal-based program to get time on these machines. But they are running typically well north of 90% usage rates once people adopt, adapt to the machine. Yeah, so the demand is high for these things across the board, I guess. And do you have some sense yes. of the basic technological building block that Cray will be using, for example, industry standard processors? We do. Typically, these machines are around the bleeding edge in terms of processor technology. To get to this kind of performance at this point in time requires that it'll be a heterogeneous architecture. It will have a combination of uh, standard CPUs, like similar to what you have in your laptop, and graphics processing units, like gaming machines. And you get a lot of bang for the buck out of the graphics processing units. Sure. And just so for people that don't know, how big is this thing? Is it obviously bigger than a bread box, but is it bigger than an apartment building? No, it's not bigger than an apartment building. It is a pretty good size. We have roughly an acre of floor space in this facility, and it will occupy, oh, I'm guessing probably a quarter of that. Yeah, well, that's about as big as my lot, so <laughs> where I live. So it's a good-sized machine. Yeah. It is a good-sized machine, yes. And what's the expected delivery date? We expect to take delivery of the hardware in late 2022 and have it available for classified mission work in 2023. Dr. Mark Anderson is Acting Assistant Deputy Administrator for Development, Test, and Evaluation at the National Nuclear Security Administration. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom. Find a link to more information and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffel Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council.